It's Friday, April 8th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. As the war in Ukraine continues, we're seeing a new surge of refugees at the border. More than 2,000 Ukrainians have reached the U.S. border with Mexico, and more migrants from other countries are expected to seek asylum as the coronavirus public health order known as Title 42 will soon be lifted. Ukrainians have also been frustrated as there hasn't been official guidance on how they can enter the U.S. Miriam Jordan, national immigration correspondent at The New York Times, joins us for more. Next, drone deliveries are now a thing in Texas. Wing is a division of Alphabet, Google's parent company, and they just launched the first commercial service in the Dallas-Fort Worth metro area. People will be able to order things like small items from Walgreens, pet medication, and even ice cream, and have it delivered straight to their door in a matter of minutes. Harry Guinness, contributor to Popular Science, joins us for how it works and whether it will catch on beyond a novelty. Finally, we have a jobs alert. Walmart is raising the starting salary of its truck drivers to at least $95,000 and up to $110,000 for the first year. Walmart will also start a training program to help people earn their commercial driver's license. As consumer buying habits have changed, Walmart needs to beef up its supply chain workers to make sure stores are stocked. Melissa Repko, retail and consumer reporter at CNBC, joins us for what to know. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. Title 42 is scheduled to expire unless it's extended. The Border Patrol tell me that uh, if it is expires without a plan being put into place to allow them to handle this volume of migrants, they will simply lose control. Joining us now is Miriam Jordan, national immigration correspondent at The New York Times. Thanks for joining us, Miriam. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, let's talk about what we're seeing at the U.S. border uh, with Mexico right now. So we know the current uh, situation in Ukraine with Russia invading the war going on has caused a big humanitarian crisis. People have been fleeing. Last numbers I saw were, you know, over 4.5 million people have, have fled, mostly to those nearby countries, you know, Poland and, and other countries surrounding there. The Biden administration said we're going to be accepting at least 100,000 Ukrainians. And, you know, we'll get into some more of that part of it later. But a lot of them have made their way to the U.S.-Mexico border and have tried to get in that way. Uh, We've seen more than 2,000 refugees reach the border. And um, there's other immigration news that's happening that could provide another influx of more migrants coming in, too. There's a lot going on. So, Miriam, what are we seeing right now? So what we're seeing currently is a very large daily influx of Ukrainians who have made their way to Mexico, knowing that they can enter Mexico without a visa and from Mexico gain entry into the United States with a special status called humanitarian parole. So the last I heard, there are actually more than 3,000 Ukrainians who are parked in Tijuana, most of them staying in a gym that was once used to house Central Americans who arrived as part of a caravan in 2018. And so for them, right, they're waiting to get in and there's big questions when uh, all these groups start mingling together, right? So the Ukrainian crisis, we know what's happening. It's obvious. The signal is that most Ukrainians will be easily, at least easily be able to get into the country. Other migrants are maybe complaining, saying, who's getting priority with this? They're, they're all waiting there. They all have their own crises back home. 
that is prompting them to come to the United States. So that that's a, a concern there among migrants uh, waiting to get in. Correct. So the sudden arrivals in Tijuana of the Ukrainian presents an immediate challenge to the Biden administration and border officials who are already bracing for a very large number of unauthorized migrants from countries like Honduras and Haiti, Venezuela, Cuba, who will be making their way to the United States when an emergency health care measure known as Title 42 is lifted late next month. This measure has been in place for more than two years since the Trump administration stays in office, and it has impeded most migrants or asylum seekers from actually entering the United States. So an exception has been made for the Ukrainians, but soon enough there will be all these other folks from other countries showing up and also seeking entry into the United States over these land borders. You know, what's one of the interesting things that always happens with immigration is the messaging, how the messaging reaches to these other countries. And in speaking to people there at the border, there was a man from Honduras who said he heard it on the news that you, the U.S. is offering asylum when Title 42 basically goes away. He says his country is infested with gangsters. You know, that's not really the messaging coming from the United States, but that's how the message reaches these people that want to come over. Exactly. I mean, there are coyotes or smugglers um, who also help spread misinformation to would-be migrants in countries like Guatemala and Honduras who are, you know, facing issues of gang violence, uh, climate change that has made their land less productive. And when they're told that there's an opportunity to enter the United States lawfully, of course, they're very interested. They want to raise their families, put food on the table. And that's exactly what I heard, that, you know, news has, has reached Guatemala and Honduras that this Title 42. And if it's hard for Americans to wrap their heads around what it is, imagine people so far away, you know, but in any event, they've been encouraged to start moving toward the United States so that they can cross the border. You know, a lot of people might be asking, why are they going to Mexico, then coming to the border and trying to get into the United States that way? And part of that is, is the Biden administration said they'll accept as many as 100,000 Ukrainian refugees, but there hasn't been any official mechanism really on how to do it. So without these official channels, obviously people are desperate. War is happening there and they're finding any which way they can to get to the United States. So this is why a lot of the people are going to Mexico. That's precisely the reason they're coming in this, if we can say, roundabout and informal fashion. Official channels to come directly to the United States have not been made available to them in spite of this announcement last month by President Biden that we were prepared to admit 100,000 Ukrainians. Since there's no plan in place, people don't know whether they can apply, if they would be eligible. And meanwhile, if they have friends and family in the United States who can help them pay for airfare to reach Mexico, that's what they're doing. And also, you know, in keeping with all this, in, in, in the conversations that you had with people, you know, we talk about the crazy trips that people have to make out there. Obviously, a lot of these Ukrainians have friends and family that are helping them once they get here. But even making the trip out of the country is treacherous for sometimes. You mentioned coyotes. There's a similar thing happening there, too. You, you talk to somebody who 
had to go through mountaintops of Romania and, and whatnot just to get to the proper places where they can end up making the flights out here. So even for them, the, the, the trips are very treacherous. That is indeed the case. I mean, many of these people had passed through a string of countries by train, by bus, and then got on a plane in Western Europe from Madrid or Paris or Amsterdam to fly to Mexico City or to Cancun, and from then there to Tijuana. Miriam Jordan, National Immigration Correspondent at The New York Times. Thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. To deliver a package to the customer, the uh, the drone takes off. It hovers in midair, and it's loaded with a package at our nest. So an operator hooks a package to the drone, and it's reeled up. And then it flies to the customer's location. The drone hovers about 20 feet in the air and slowly lowers the package on the tether, which automatically releases. Joining us now is Harry Guinness, contributor to Popular Science. Thanks for joining us, Harry. Thanks for having me, Oscar. Well, some interesting drone news. This week, a new delivery system is starting in Texas. The company is called Wing. It's a subdivision of Alphabet, which is the Google parent company. They're going to be doing commercial service drone deliveries in the Dallas-Fort Worth metro area. They say they're going to be serving tens of thousands of homes and delivering, you know, certain things like, uh, you know, uh, things from Wal- uh, Walgreens, who they have a partner. They're going to be delivering ice cream from Bluebell, I believe. Uh, so this is kind of something that we've been hearing about a long time coming down the pipeline. It's just starting now, but obviously there's also big questions of long term viability. So, Harry, tell us a little bit about Wing and, and what they're getting started with. Yeah, so Wing is uh, doing its first commercial service in the U.S. Uh, That's a first with a couple of caveats. It's been doing some test services both in the Dallas area and in Virginia. And it's also been operating commercially in uh, Finland and Australia for the past couple of years. So this is the first commercial U.S. drone delivery service. It's kind of cool, kind of exciting, but also, as you say, there is some reasons to ask questions. The idea with drone delivery is that it would bring things the last sort of mile, uh, that if you ordered something from Walgreens, a drone would come, pick it up, drop it off. Sounds great, but there are obviously a lot of practical problems with making it even work. And then there are a lot of commercial problems with making it viable. Uh, Wing is backed by Google's parent company, Alphabet, which has notoriously deep pockets. So um, although they're calling it commercial, it's not profitable. They're offering free delivery. This is just a test where they are uh, extending it to regular people rather than yeah. just a select audience. Tell us a little bit more about the the drone design, because this thing from front to back is about four feet. The wingspan is about three feet. Tell us how fast it can go, the motors and the little rotors that it has on it. What does it look like? Yeah, so the drones are uh, designed with food delivery in mind. So they are small, light. They're also pretty cheap. They want to have uh, lots of these up in the air. So uh, they can fly at about 65 miles an hour with a range of about six miles in terms of delivery. They can do 12 miles there and back. And that means they'll deliver packages or rather deliver food in about six minutes, assuming there's no delays. Uh, To avoid any air traffic control restrictions, They have to stay under 400 feet. They're mostly staying under 150 feet. So this is really uh, that vision of the future where there would be drones jetting around that sort of rooftop level, really. So apparently they do fly autonomously, but they say that they're supervised by trained pilots. And when somebody puts in an order, 
Wing has these little places they called nests of drones, right? And so at a participating source, uh, an employee, you know, the the order will come in, an employee will put in a little cardboard box, load it up on the drone, and, and then off it goes uh, to the customer where they also have to do nothing. They just receive the package. Yeah, so a lot of tests for these have worked around sort of central hubs where Wing would have products on hand and then Wing would handle all the maintaining the drones, loading the packages up, sending it off. This is the first time they're um, trying this model that they're calling nests. And it means that they will be letting the stores handle it, which would allow it to expand to a vast, a vaster range of stores rather than just the ones that they can stock, uh, which is pretty exciting. And it makes it potentially a lot more viable. I like the way uh, you did a little bit of math for us in, in the article. So you, they are made with food delivery in mind. They can carry about three pounds or so. So that's enough for six Big Macs if they were to partner with McDonald's. But, you know, that's not that much, right? If you're doing a large order for a few people, it could be hitting that weight limit pretty quickly. But, you know, back to the overarching question, right? How viable could something like this be? You know, you mentioned they're giving free deliveries for now, but these things can be pretty expensive, probably you know, if they're crashing, if they need to constantly replace them, fix them, all that. And then beyond that, right, will it catch on? Will people just want to order delivery as a, from a drone as a novelty? Or is it really going to, you know, service that last mile industry as you're talking about? Yeah, like you've raised a lot of good points there. One thing I'd say is if they're crashing regularly, cost isn't going to be the problem, at least not in terms of drones. It's going to be the lawsuits and the police investigations and all of that. So safety is a huge concern. They don't want these things crashing at all. And yeah, it, it, it is. It's really interesting. It's really cool. It's very futuristic. But you do have to question how much this is going to really take off in a lot of places where um, there is huge food delivery organizations. You know, in the likes of Manhattan, where is a drone going to drop a package? Uber Eats and stuff like that are using people on scooters, bikes, you know, because that is much more flexible than having a admittedly lightweight drone, but still flying around in the airspace, potentially at head height. There's been other companies that have been working on this. Amazon in the UK was uh, working on something like this. They've shut down those divisions or there was other companies that have started doing stuff. Things had kind of slowed down. Maybe the pandemic slowed some of those things down. But if other companies have started dipping out, again, back to the question, the long-term viability of something like this. There are still huge problems to be solved here. And Wing is making a really good attempt to solve them. They're lowering the packages down from a tether. Amazon was trying to land their drones, which meant they had to have even larger space that they could safely come down because they would actually be flying down into human range. Uh, whereas, at least with Wing's drones, they are lowering a very light package from a tether down and leaving it on the ground. So presuming that you are supervising the delivery, not letting any children or dogs run in and get <laughs> bonked on the head by a can of Coke, right. uh, it should be okay. Amazon landing the drones, a little bit iffier. Right. Um, the most exciting ones, the, the ones that have really pulled it off, is a company called Zipline out of San Francisco. And they do medical supply deliveries from central hubs to rural hospitals. Harry Guinness, contributor to Popular Science, Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So right now it's offering a 12-week program that allows current employees in those two areas, Texas and Delaware, to earn their license without paying. Joining us now is Melissa Repko, retail and consumer reporter at CNBC. 
Thanks for joining us, Melissa. Thanks for having me. Well, we have a jobs alert for everybody. Pretty good one, too, actually. So Walmart is looking at attracting more truck drivers, keeping and retaining the truck drivers they currently have. We know there's a shortage of truck drivers in the United States right now. Um, So they're bumping up their pay for truck drivers first year at Walmart. They could be making anywhere from $95,000 to $110,000. Melissa, tell us about this. It's a really good opportunity for a lot of people. Yeah, so Walmart's hiring truck drivers because they're an instrumental part of their supply chain. I think all of us have become very familiar with the idea of supply chain (laughs) during the pandemic. And these are really the people that power Walmart's operations because not only are they replenishing store shelves, they're also filling up its warehouses. And those have become really crucial during this time because if they're out of stock, that means a missed sales opportunity. So Walmart's trying to build up this workforce so that it can really have that foundation for its business. Walmart says that uh, a truck driver in their first year can make an average of $87,000 there at Walmart. Other places, Indeed.com, which is a job site, say average salary for a truck driver, $80,000. U.S. data that we have from the Bureau of Labor Statistics says a a truck driver can make $47,000, maybe $50,000. This was from 2020. Uh, So the numbers kind of range, but still, that places Walmart at a higher level there. Yes, and it's worth noting that that average of 87500 is for truckers in their first year at Walmart, and that was actually prior to this salary bump. And along with that, Walmart is trying to sweeten the deal for potential workers who are interested in this profession by offering a way for them to get certified. So right now, it's offering a 12-week program that allows current employees in those two areas, Texas and Delaware, to earn their license without paying. And that's, uh, I guess that can run anywhere between $4,000 and $5,000. So, I mean, a lot of benefits, right? So these uh, programs that they have can be offered to people that currently work at Walmart, maybe looking for a change in what they're doing. And I guess they'll open it up uh, to more people once the, the program gets running. But tell us a little bit more about Walmart and kind of the shifting demands of people, right? We went through the pandemic. Everybody's been ordering stuff online and they're seeing this as a, as a big point for them, something that they really need to keep the operations running smoothly. They have about 12,000 truck drivers in their workforce. And to the point of all this, right, they're looking for more. They need much more. Yeah. Last year, the company actually hired 4,500 truck drivers, which was a record number for them. So it just shows the need that they have. And it's a competitive landscape where other retailers may be staffing up too, truck companies may be staffing up too. The question is really whether whether people will continue to shop the way that they are now. And it seems like a lot of these pandemic patterns will persist. So people have gotten more used to the immediacy of getting what they need almost instantaneously. And that includes getting it by curbside pickup. And curbside pickup for Walmart is actually picked off the shelves. And so these truck drivers are replenishing shelves, not only for shoppers who are going in, but also for employees who are putting together those curbside pickup orders. Melissa Repco, retail and consumer reporter at CNBC. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. 
I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.